Hi guys, welcome back to Veteran State of Mind. Special episode coming up today with my boy Seabass. What up? What up, Seabass? Um, you guys will know Seabass by now. He's always on my <laughs> Instagram and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to bring him in a second. I just want to touch on something that's just kind of tripped me out, really. It's just kind of something through a little loop. Real quick, is um, just to give you a... Because obviously, if you, you see from the video, we're in a different location to usual. Uh, where we are, we're in New York City. And um, we just kind of figured out we're about four, like three, 400 yards from yeah. ground zero. Which is kind of crazy because it's a Veterans Day at Mine podcast. And... Everything has happened in the last 12 years, or sorry, more than 12 years, but like the 12 years of my military service and obviously post then is, you know, began like a few hundred yards from here. So it's kind of yeah. fitting, I think, that we're here. We wouldn't know each other otherwise. No, definitely not. Um, neither of us be doing what we're doing now, where we are now, having done what we've done up to this point. So yeah, that's kind of crazy, dude, just to see that. But um, dude, for people that don't know you, please introduce <laughs> yourself. See Bass Actual. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, my name's Sebastian. Go by Seabass, obviously. I was say, your name is Seabass. <laughs> I was uh, I was in the Marine Corps for a total of uh, ten years. I was including some enlisted uh, reserve time while I was uh, getting my undergrad in Florida, and then uh, the rest of it was active duty um, on the officer side. Sorry, I know that's it's going to be a topic of discussion. It today. is going to be a topic of discussion. When come <laughs> yeah, on, and, uh, a couple of deployments: uh, one Iraq, one Afghanistan. When were those deployments, Seabass? When? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. It's just not as in a cool time like you. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, now I'm. Uh, I'm here in New York. I'm um, getting my MBA at uh so at just NYU. explain to people what MBA and NYU is. Yeah, so most of guys obviously. Sure, British. sure. Listen yeah, that, so uh, yeah, I got out of the Marine Corps in December of uh, 2017, so a little over a year ago. That's crazy. To yeah, say that. fuck, dude. But uh, <clears throat> now I'm uh, getting my master's in uh, business administration at uh, New York University, which is uh, so basically means see going to make a shitload of money. <laughs> He's going to be my sugar daddy, <laughs> and that's why I brought him on the. Uh, that's why I brought him on the podcast. Well, actually, okay. the real reason I brought him on the podcast is today we we just thought we'd do like shoot the shit, but have like a bit of a question answer session. You guys have been sending some questions and stuff, and I really appreciate them. That being said, before we start, can I oh, just address oh. what happened this morning in my apartment? All right, you could do that. I just want to cut. All right, let me just like frame right what happened. This I was just about to get serious. I'm I know, people I saw fucking you. DS. I saw you getting in the zone, and yeah. I just want to stop you right now. All right, there. stop the zone. Okay, so, reverse out the zone. So, Gez is crashing on my couch. We wake up this morning, <laughs> do our normal routine, which is obviously go slug weights in the gym. Yeah, bro. Come out. back, and uh, I'm cooking some eggs, and he goes to heat up this burrito that he had left over. And I don't know if it's an infantry thing, or maybe it's in the UK, but. Gez thought that I had a special microwave where you could put a t- an aluminum fap, aluminum wrap, wrap burrito in there. So he, like, puts it in there, slams two minutes or whatever, goes back to my living room. I'm, like, heating up my pan to get my eggs and bacon going. And he just yells, like, see, there's a massive fire next to your head. I look over and my whole – it's engulfed in flames. So we run over. Uh, we jump into crisis action like vets do. We put it out. Slap me with that. Guys, just picks off the burnt tin foil off the burrito and continues to eat. And it was cold. still cold. It was <laughs> fucking cold. All right. So one, I have a complaint. If something goes on fire, it should be hot, right? So at that point, like that was that was that was ridiculous. That should have been pretty hot. Um, I'm just gonna move this out of the way. I just realize yeah, yeah. I'm blocking my face here for no reason. Um, yeah. So this should be fucking should be fucking hot for one thing. So science doesn't make any sense to me. Never has, never will. And the other thing is right. If I'm buying 
like Mexican food, chances are I'm not going to eat it all in one go. Like you saw the size of the bag yeah. of stuff I came in. No man is eating all that in one go. Clearly, it's going to get reheated. Yeah. Why would you give it to me in a wrapper that cannot be reheated? Yeah, I mean it's it's really and just, here's the it's com- really just the basic logic of like aluminum foil will keep it warm. Yeah, all right. Well, one, it. I wasn't even looking at the aluminum foil because it was wrapped in a bag. And here's the other thing: I blame them for giving me two combustible materials because yeah. it wasn't the aluminum yeah. foil that went on fire. It was the paper bag it was wrapped in. Yeah. So really, it wasn't my fault at all. It was someone else. Um, by the way, we forgot to mention the sponsor of this podcast, Big Helen Saloon in San Clemente. Oh, man. Not actually a sponsor, place. but please, can we have some of our money back? <laughs> the no, last no, we got years. a lot of free drinks there. We did get a lot of free drinks. Shout so, out to the bar. Shout out Big Helen's. Um, all right, yeah, so getting back onto the questions, addressing the camera. Guys, appreciate the questions. However, don't ask me things like, how do I join the army? Go fucking look on the army website for stuff like that, all right? The reason I'm fucking having a complaint about it is because... If you're saying, and this, because there's actually uh, there's actually a point I'm addressing this, other than just being a fucking rangry old veteran, is that if you're saying, how do I join the army? Well, straight away, I'm thinking, maybe you shouldn't join the fucking army. Because if you're so lazy <laughs> that you can't even go on Google and put, how do I join the army? Then you're probably not going to be the best person at humping kit across a fucking mountainside. So maybe have a look at your career options and then uh, start flipping burgers. Um, or actually, no, you don't need to. It's the UK. Just go on Job Seekers allowance. You never really know what's going to happen, though, because unlike you who wanted to be like a machine gunner since you were born, yeah. I just really, in, in high school, I really needed to get out of this English test. So me and my buddies went to go take the ASVAB, like the placement oh, test, yeah. and uh, the Marine recruiter was just really good. Ten, Sexy. Ten years later, I was a captain. Big so. muscular tattoo yeah, down. Man, and just juiced you. But yeah, so don't send me those questions. Other questions that I'm not interested in. <laughs> asking me about my favorite kind of weapons. I'm not a gunner. <laughs> I don't care about them. You have to clean them. You have to carry them. I'm not interested in any questions about weapons. Unless it's a lamp. Unless it's a lamp. <laughs> Shout out Gun Lamps. Oh, the sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> actually, let's talk about Gun Lamps yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sure. Nice segue. This wasn't actually on the, this, this wasn't on the sheet at all. But no, come on. Let's just talk about Gun Lamps real quick because a lot of people have been asking me about it. And I actually yeah. don't know as much about it as you do. Yeah. Which sure. I probably should. But go ahead. Tell people. Yeah. So Gun Lamps is a, uh, is a project we've been working on. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's three of us that are on the project, uh, including Gez and I. And, uh, you know, we've. It's still still pretty elementary phase. We're about to do our Kickstarter campaign, guys, and I just had a good time filming the, uh, you know, about the time this podcast gets out. If by good time, you mean we got fucking smashed. Yeah, we drank a lot of ciders. But uh, It's like by the end of the video, you can just start to see all the necks of the cider balls <laughs> pop up around the corner. Of the, <laughs> yeah, it's a really exciting up. project to do, though. I mean, we're, we're taking, um, basically, we're, we're developing a way where gun gun lovers, gun enthusiasts can, can show their display, their popular rifles and pistols in their houses, out in the open, without having to... Um, you know, contribute to the whole issues of gun control, in my opinion. I mean, I know my dad, for example, loved the guy, but he he has an AR-15, and he never shoots it unless I'm there and force him to do it. So you I feel like... Force your dad to yeah, I'm like, let's go to the range. Like, you've uh, spent all this money for it. So I feel like if he just uh, had the M4 gun lamp, he would like that just as much. I just wanted to clear up what you were forcing him to. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> project. Shoot. Check it out, at Gun Lamps. At Gun... What is it? At Gun Lamps. Yeah, it's on yeah. my social media yeah, yeah, and shit. Yeah, it's all over there. And, okay, another question. What gun did you have in the military? Like, literally my entire Instagram <laughs> of over 500 posts is me with guns. Look it up. All right? So, yeah. But, like, seriously, just people, point in life, right? And here's, this is actually a good point because uh, I've been lucky enough recently on this trip. I've been in the States about four weeks now. I'm flying home tonight. Boo. I don't want to go, <laughs> but fuck it. And I've met a lot of I've met a lot of people. We've uh, shout out Pop Smoke and the uh, Smoke Pit Podcast. Shout out the MFCEO Project, um, you know, and shout out the Black Rifle Coffee Project. All those guys, fucking awesome guys. All of them doing great things. And we were talking about this kind of stuff, and they all say the same thing that they all get inundated with questions about people. 
And we genuinely want to help people out. And we genuinely want to answer questions and things. But it's fucking annoying. Because basically when someone's saying something like, someone gives a really bone question, which they could find the answer for in a 10-second Google search, yeah. it's kind of there. what they're saying is, oh, like, I don't feel like there's any value to your time. Now, to be fair, a lot of people asking these questions might be young and they haven't realized mm-hmm. that that's a thing yet. But let me tell you, like... Ye youngsters or anyone else listening, if you want to commit uh, or sorry, connect with someone who is, say, like a social media influencer or anyone like that, if you want to commit to those people, make a specific question that try and think of something that they probably haven't been asked before. Mm-hmm. Do some research about their page so you know that you're not going over something they've gone before because otherwise you're probably just going to piss them off and they're yeah. busy people and they're just going to say, fuck this person and they're going to move on. If you actually make some effort and say, oh, look, and then drag, say, drag up a post from like a year ago, mm-hmm. say, I found this really interesting what you're talking about. Um, apologies if you have covered again. I've went out through all your stuff and I couldn't find it. I was wondering if you could expand on X because I'm interested in Y. But I appreciate you're probably really busy. Thank you so much yeah. for what you do, bro. And you're probably going to get a reply from it, yeah. right? But if you're just like, what gun did you have? Now, shout, specific shout out to uh, the person who asked you this morning if they personally can make it through Royal Marine Boot Camp. Yeah, someone asked me, <laughs> can I make it through boot camp? You know what? So you weren't even in. Yeah, probably not, <laughs> honestly. I'm just going to go ahead and answer, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I just come on. I mean, I, look, it might be a 12-year-old asking me yeah, that yeah. question. I don't know. I didn't I didn't stalk profile or anything like that. Just kidding. Follow your dreams. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, follow your dreams. Just don't ask me about you following your fucking dreams. Yeah. Go follow your own dreams. You want to be a unicorn, unicorn, boot neck, boot neck. Whatever. All right. Zebas. yesterday we were watching a bit of Netflix. We are having bro flicks, bro yeah, flicks yeah. and chill. And um, it brought us on to the topic of veteran cliches. Yes. You know, so, topic. yeah, veteran cliches, great topic. I've already covered one right now. I've covered the unneeded angry veteran cliche. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, so I've gone over that. Button. So one of the favorite cliches <laughs> we saw on this show yesterday was the guy who... He's, like, lying in his bed, having, like, exorcist spasms and everything like that. Then his dad walks in. He jumps up, shoots, just misses his dad, then yep. starts crying. Um, and then, like, the next episode, he digs, like, a full fighting position in his garden with sandbags. And we're wondering, like, why did he just have these sandbags yeah. lying around his house? Yeah, with like, his M16. Where, where, yeah, oh, yeah, he's got an M16, too. Probably should have had this taken off him at this point. Like, if I'm the dad who he's living with and he's already shot at me, <laughs> probably take the firing pins yeah. out of all his yeah, fucking yeah. weapons. Um, yeah, and, and he his digs p- his and he digs his pirate pit, yeah. and then he lies down in it and, and sleeps his like PT- a baby. His PTSD group counselor comes up and he's like, "What are you doing down in that hole?" He's like, "I don't have dreams down here. Yeah. I don't have dreams. I just get boners." <laughs> and like, I come like that was probably one of the most extreme veteran cliches that yeah. I've seen. What are the veteran? Okay, because I just want to make it for the record here, people. Neither of us, and we know a lot of veterans between us. I've never heard about somebody making a fighting position in their garden to go asleep in. Never heard about it. No. Like, if someone in my family asked someone to help dig holes to plant some fucking stuff in the garden, I'd tell them to fuck off. I'm not interested in digging holes. It's the least therapeutic thing. There's two things for therapy, right? Drugs and alcohol. Not digging <laughs> for, not digging fighting positions. So, Seabass, any other veteran cliches that you're fine of? I don't know. I feel like there's uh, <clears throat> I feel like there's a lot of cliches. For, like, veterans are portrayed a lot of times... As he's just like angry, like, like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all, right, all right, let's back up. They're they're portrayed as these individuals who like cannot like contribute and f- and fit into society. Yes, and that's like you know come you know I'm at one of the one of the best business schools in the United States. I'm, and there's so there's like uh, how many there's like 50 vets out of like 800 students, and yeah. these guys are like 
you know, combat vets all the way down to yeah. you know, some pogues. Although, but. like, I'm still not convinced. Like, you brought along a combat vet on a Sunday to watch the NFL with us. And he had one. <laughs> he had one Long Island and blacked out. And he said he was infantry. So yeah. I, I'm calling stolen valor on him. <laughs> Bro, I, if you're I listening, can, stolen I, fucking valor. I can confirm Bo is a ranger and infantry. He was not. He, he just, could not handle he, a single. He just cannot drink. He can. He cannot, I, I'm pretty sure he must have been a fucking yeah. sailor or some shit. No, but I guess to, to combat the actual cliche, like, like although like veteran like tr- transitioning is difficult. Um, now that I've been out over a year and been able to talk to, you know, vets at school, you know, successful business people. And, uh, you know, now I'm just getting a better appreciation to, you know, the value vets do bring to society. And, um, you know, if there, if there are people struggling with the transition or they find themselves, they, they don't agree with me right now and they think they do fit this cliche, I, you know, I, I challenge those individuals to reach out because uh, I, I couldn't disagree more. I think although you do have issues, it shouldn't prevent you from being you know, a functioning, contributing member of society. Dude, everyone has fucking issues, man. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone has fucking issues. It's yeah. just this, this, this idea of, like, it's only, like, veterans yeah. who have mental health issues. Yeah, but we're not, like, like we're not know. sporting our, like, cami jackets with, like, the red veteran hat and, like, going around. <laughs> <laughs> He's pointing at my red This is a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. It just happens to be red. Uh, all right, here's another one about veterans. Like, here's one, and I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from the fact that there are homeless veterans yeah. on the streets. I'm not taking away from that. But I just want to like to point out to people that most people that claim to be veterans on the streets are fucking lying. So when you're like, oh, I've seen 10 people on the street today, nine of them were veterans. No, like maybe one or two of them were, the rest of them were fucking lying. Because I've just made it a point recently mm-hmm. to start talking to all of them when they are. And you'll be like, um, you'll be like, oh, you were in the infantry. What regiment you were in? Oh, the uh, Royal Army Infantry Corps. Yeah. And I, they're full of fucking shit. So, look, people, like, they're taking advantage of the fact that people yeah. feel bad about passing veterans up. Doesn't mean the veteran homelessness isn't a no, problem. It is. But again, it's just something that you see kind of like blown up of, oh, all these people on the street are veterans. Mm-hmm. Well, not fucking true. Um, you know, so just, again, be aware. You know, just th- think about things before, before when, you, when you fucking hear someone giving an opinion, even me. Think it through first, you know, think think it through. So, like, any kind of cliche or anything like that, you know, it, like like you said, it just doesn't add up. If, if all these veterans have got issues, then, like you said, how is it that 50 out of 800 people at one of the best yeah. NBA courses in the, you know, in the country have got issues? So, here's something I wanted to talk about with you, dude, because you've transitioned very well out of the military. Yeah. Um, and you're saying that, like, having a, like, that, that's not like a coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. There's planning involved in that. So um, talk talk our listeners through a little bit about what you were telling me earlier. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely feel blessed and lucky to to be where I'm at, and I've certainly it took it took some work on my end, um, studying for placement exams and you know whole nine yards of getting. But it, it definitely uh, you know if I look back to um, at the end of kind of like my initial lieutenant contract, you know I did four years after undergrad, and um, you know I want to get out. Uh, I, was, I was after my first deployment, and the only reason I didn't, that's when I realized, like, an MBA was going to be good for me, and the only reason I didn't get out was because I legit didn't have a plan. I didn't feel safe getting out. I thought I was going to fail. So um, I made the decision to, to do another tour. Um, you know, it turned into another deployment, but it, it got me to where I am now. Now, now my, my advice and kind of moving forward, what I want to do is <clears throat> you should have a five- to ten-year plan, I think, at any point in your life. And specifically, I think people who want to join the military, I know you have a lot of followers and a lot of people who like your books are prospective military, like we were just uh, kind of ragging on before for asking you questions. But, you know, those individuals... Yeah, if you're still listening and you want, yeah. <laughs> if you're one of those people who does want to join the military. So, yeah. like, what a prospective military yeah. means wanting to join the military. Yeah, those, um, you know, those individuals need to have a plan 
like what do they want to get out of their service and what do they want to do afterwards? Because if you would have asked me, you know, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18. I loved it. And if you would have asked me, uh, 20, 21 years old, um, I had tunnel vision on, on earning my commission, becoming a second lieutenant. And uh, I thought I was going to be a colonel, general. You know, at least I was going to do a bare minimum of 20 years and do my retirement. And uh, only, you know, a short two years into my uh, officer career, coming home from my like, first deployment, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm for sure getting out. This is uh, – So what was, that, what, what, was that, what was that moment that made you want to get out? <laughs> it, you just don't know exactly – you know, the military is portrayed as something from recruiting side, which – which I appreciate now. We can pick that apart on different podcasts. But the the image of what I had, and you don't actually know what it's going to be like until you're in it. No. You don't understand the the bureaucracy. You don't understand the, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know if, if you can handle it. So once I was in, uh, I just did some self-reflection, and I just I couldn't see myself as, as like, a field-grade officer or beyond. And uh, I, I got some short-term goals, and I wanted to accomplish certain things in the military, but I knew that didn't require a 20-year career. All right, so five, 10-year plan. Yeah. Right. Okay, right now. I'm 16-year-old, mm-hmm. young, tight-bodied 16-year-old that wants to join the military, right? What, am I lo- what should I be looking at in my 5- and 10-year plan? Yeah, I mean, I think you should definitely, uh, one, understand what job you're going to join the military. I was like, I just wanted to be a Marine, and I was going to take, like, any job. That's dumb. Because um, luckily, yeah. I, I was able to transition to officer and a switch pot. You know, I didn't like my job when I was enlisted. Um, so know what you're going to do. Know, like kind of the benefits associated with that. Like a lot of people, if you want to be like infantry, <clears throat> just know that that's, that, that's gr- like, that's going to be perfect. And just know what you're going to get out of it and know Killing people. Yeah, exactly. Like know yeah. the, like the type of person you're going to kind of transition and, and what's going to, the quality is going to give you, which is going to be like, you're going to get the most like leadership and like in your face responsibility. And that, that's great. But uh, you should, you should know like, all right, I'm signing up for three, four year contract. And what's the next step? Like if I get out, what's the next step? And it could be university, it could be, uh, you know, get a job, join a family company, but I would have like option A, option B, option C. And if you get to the point where you're like at three year mark and you're like, I'm getting promoted, I like it, I like the career, I'm going to re-enlist, mm-hmm. that's great. Because also as, you know, as a commander, when I was a company commander, I had a lot of Marines end up re-enlisting because they didn't have a plan either. And they're not really contributing, like their mind's not in it, and that's just yeah. not good for the institution either. But well, if- I, I was just going to say, I think so, to inject, to interject there, some of the people need to take into account as well. Just because you want to stay in doesn't mean you're going to stay in. Exactly. You could have a fucking bad yep. accident one yep. day, you rupture your knees, yep. and you're out. Yep. And if you haven't thought about it... Like, I just want to admit, I'm going to give someone breaking news here because, like you said, like, you do have different conceptions before you join. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking news to anybody out there who doesn't know this, the army doesn't give a fuck about you, yep. all right? The moment you are no longer useful <laughs> to the army or the Marines or anything like that, you will get fucking tossed out like an old shitty piece of kit. Now, that doesn't mean that the experience is still not worth doing because I think it is, yep. right? But do not go thinking that they're going, oh, you busted your knee. Don't worry, mate. We're yep. going to make sure you get a job. They're going to go, all right, fuck you, out the gate. Yeah, you know, gone, yes, bang. Um, yeah. Another piece of advice I'd stick on your five and ten year plans is jumping in. Guys, wear condoms. <laughs> Girls, make guys wear condoms because that will fuck up your five and ten year plan like nothing else will. And if you're in the military, you just see this time and time and time again. Wear condoms. Make sure that's in your five, ten year plan. Um or just stand by microwaves and get fucking sterile or something. But make sure you have some kind of neutralization plan for that. Because nothing... Because I like, think... I'm just being serious now, right? 16-year-old kid, right? Join yeah. the military. Boom. 18, you get a kid. Yeah. 
that's going to change like what your options are. A lot of people yeah. end up having to stay in a job, and this yeah. is not just military, just jobs in general that yeah. they don't want to do because then you're supporting for other people and yeah, all that I'll, kind of I'll, stuff. I'll tell you, my Marines that that were up at their four year contract, and I was having those discussions with them about what they wanted to do. A lot of them were limited if they had if they had gotten married and had a kid in their first enlistment. Um, if they wanted to get out, they were they were trying to they need to go to trade school or just immediately start working because they need to support a family. And although like in the U.S. like the, the GI Bill and all these like you can get veterans benefits that are helpful like. Um, it's a lot easier to do if you're single, like pursue college, pursue higher education. So definitely uh, you're young. Yeah. <laughs> you can do, you can do the military and get out when you're 21. Unless you're in a part of the world where you can sell the child into slavery or something like that to help cover oh, yeah, that transition, yeah. then, then that's something. There's that asterisks next to everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you know anyone, if you can get on the dark web, kind of push <laughs> them out on there or something like that, then these are things that could be to consider. So, but yeah, no, dude, I think five and 10 year plan is important. Like yeah. I, I was exactly the same as you. I was like, Oh, I'm going to join the army and I'm going to be an officer till I'm 55. Yeah. Then Iraq happened and I was like, oh, I'm going to join the army and I'll just, you know, and then I'll probably do it for a bit and then do an officer. And then after a few years, I'm like, oh, I actually don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to yeah. fucking click what I want to do. And that's the same for a lot of people. And like time moves a lot faster than you think it does. Yeah. Like you 16-year-olds listening now, mm-hmm. you'll be 28 before you know it. You'll have done 12 years in the army. Yeah. And you'll be halfway through and you'll be like, oh, do I stay in? Because what happens, a lot of people, they get to that point and it's, you know, it becomes about pensions and yeah. stuff like that. But because you're short on time because you haven't thought about it for years ahead, mm-hmm. you end up making the safe decision, which is I'll do another 12 yeah. years, and then you'll spend the next 12 years mowing in, and you'll have a big fat pad wife, yeah. and you're not going to be uh, you're no, not gonna even, be happy with even, I mean, you, know. you just met my friend uh, the other day at the bar, and you know we don't have to talk about like his life experiences, what happened, but he, mm-hmm. he was an officer, very yeah. successful career track, on to be a battalion commander, and, and you know his li- stuff happened in his life where he had to get out at 12 years. You know, like that's yeah. usually past the mark of no return. You're going to go for the pension, right? Yeah. But he had like life handed him like, you know, kind of like these big situations. old. Well, it wasn't a shit no, sandwich. No, it, it was just, just like, but it was a yeah, sandwich. He made the conscious decision where it's like, he did, it just, so he it didn't did necessarily not make choose yeah. that sandwich, right? But it did not make sense for him to yeah. do eight more years. Like he couldn't yeah. have seven. He was like at thirteen, and now you know he's doing good. He's at school, but like yeah. you never know. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about what like let's talk. Let's say we wanted to get away from the the cliches, yeah. the downsides of veteran stuff. Talk us through some of the ways that you're seeing in yourself and with others at NYU, um, the benefits that you've got as veterans over the uh, disgusting civilians. <laughs> I'm just looking at engineer right now. <laughs> um, um, no, respect. No, as we know, like I know not everyone listening is, is military yeah. themselves, but I do think, as with everything in life, each unique experience mm-hmm. will bring you unique qualities. Yes. So what are the unique qualities? The beneficial, other than digging holes in your garden <laughs> to sleep in, yeah. what are the great things that um, you know that you're seeing in the other veterans? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll prefix this by saying that the, my classmates at NYU are way smarter than me and most of the vets, mm-hmm. and uh, they <laughs> have many advantages over us. Now, what we do crush them on is things that we take for granted, really. So, <clears throat> for example, you know, I just had like. You know, we're going through like loads of interviews. I've seen the stress in people um, that it's literally just going on. Like, I, I guess we just like the vets classify like just separately. Like, I'm going into a room. Yeah, it might be like a partner with this firm, but like he she puts pants on one leg at a time, just like me. They've had like life experience. I've had life experiences, and just the the confidence to go in and be like, and just be able to talk, like just have a presence in yourself. Yeah, a lot of people can't do that. Um, so get, pu- like public speaking, I think public, is huge. Yeah, yeah, getting up in front of a group and yeah. just like delivering, you know, you know, like we, we're blessed with giving orders, like five paragraph orders mm-hmm. and like presentations, confirmation briefs, like all that stuff just kind of goes to the wayside when you're in because everybody in the military is doing it. 
But then, when well, you get, not everyone. Like, yeah. Just coming at it well, from junior leadership. Yeah, just coming at it from junior mm-hmm. perspective. Junior NCOs out there, you know, all those. You know, if you're a, if you're a, um, even if you're a cadet, or if yeah. you are, um, you know, if if you're a private or something like that, ask your NCOs if you can get experience doing that stuff. Because yeah. honestly, I think public speaking is like you know, if you look at people's biggest fears in life, public yeah. speaking is one of them. And if you can get used to going up in front of groups, you just start four people yep. and just build your way up. And then, you know, eventually talking in front of four people mm-hmm. feels the same as talking in front of 400 people. I did this as a platoon, yeah. platoon commander, you know, company XO, 2IC, and a CO that uh, anytime I was delivering, like, the weekend safety brief, um, I, would, I would, like, do a portion of it. But then I'd pull, like, a private up and be like, all right, give your, you know, give your safety brief because it's like, you know, up until, like, you got, like, 100, you know, yeah. 100 of your peers, your leaders in front of you and – uh, even if they stumble, you know, like nobody's going to – everybody knows it's part of development and leadership. And mm-hmm. I think the military is really good at like building building that aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, like, dude, I've 100% seen people more nervous about talking in front of a group mm-hmm. than to look for IEDs. Like 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, like they become like shit. Yeah. Like you see them shaking and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that – okay, so there's the public speaking aspect yeah. of it, the, the Pub- confidence aspect. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just – I would say just in general, like the mindset – I think vets in general, um, once you kind of, like, go through a military career and come out, like, you just have a, a completely different perspective on, like, like what, in, what like, has, like, impacts life and what doesn't. So, like, I don't know, even working in small groups, right, we've done, whether it's, like, a, a tight-knit assignment or we have, like, a deadline, like, the ability to just, like, take a step back and understand, like, nobody's dying, like, this isn't, although there are implications for, like, failure, like yep. to not let yourself get stressed out to the point your productivity starts to suffer. Yeah. Like I've been able to pull like my classmates in a group setting mm-hmm. and level them out and be like, guys, think clearly, like let's move. Like it's, it's, de- it's yeah, fine. It's the ability yeah. to detach. Exactly. You know, it's like it's the section commanders out there. It's like when you first come under contact and stuff, you know, you return fire and then you got to take that little condor moment, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise you might just, you might, you might miss the obvious piece of cover. You might, you know, run straight into an IED. Yep. You know, it's, it's taking that moment to detach and look at the situation as if you were not playing, even, not even playing Call of Duty yourself, as mm-hmm. if you were standing watching your friend playing Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, you know, when you play, oh, you're watching a game of rugby, football, NFL, whatever, and you go, why the fuck didn't he pass that guy? <laughs> well, it's because he can't see it because he's right there yeah. in it. But you can see it because you're detached. Mm-hmm. And that's where you want to get in life is to be able to like pull back detach like that um yeah so okay that's good i think we've yeah. been serious enough for a while yeah let's talk about prostitution in iraq and afghanistan <laughs> all right because this is some this is a question that somebody sent me in uh he's a vietnam vet and uh for those of you who don't know in vietnam it wasn't hard to uh pay people to do stuff to your penis huh. um and i think that. it's a yeah Jesus, now we gotta bleep that. <laughs> okay so like look Here's, uh, there's a lot of big differences between the Vietnam War and Iraq yeah, and yeah. Afghanistan. And I think one of the biggest ones was that they used to have, like, a drinking culture mm-hmm. and uh, the prostitution culture. I mean, a drug culture, but that wasn't, like, a sanctioned. But mm-hmm. basically, the prostitution and, and the drinking and stuff was, you know, you go out on your mission for a few weeks, yeah. go out in the field, come back into base, and then they just let you get shit-faced and mm-hmm. they let you bang holes. Um I would just like to say for the record right now that that does not happen these days. Right. Not only does it not, not only does it not happen, but if any of that tried to happen, then you would be fucked. You would be going to prison. You know, if you try to solicit some local, I mean, look, you got to remember the countries we're in as well. Yeah. They like if they, if they are <laughs> prostitutes in these places, uh-huh. they're probably getting the heads cut off, or the right? goats. Oh, they well, oh, they goats. Well, we'll come on to animal prostitution because that's a different. I would just compare it to like I've you know talking to like some Vietnam vets. They tell me some 
I'm, I'm talking. Like, I mean, if you're if you're into history or whatever, I'm talking like pre Tet Offensive, 1968, mm-hmm. like Vietnam. Like you had the ability to like your buddies and you would sneak off posts and like go mm-hmm. into city, Mama San, like put you up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you do that like in Afghanistan and Iraq, you're Bo Bergdahl and you're like you done. Yeah, you <laughs> like done. You're you're, you're, you're yeah, held you up for five years. Like yeah, you, know. you could not just sneak off no. base or sneak no, like because like, head cut off around the bases. You know they'd have the villages and stuff, yeah. and they just like pop out the front gate. You know, they go into and like Saigon and stuff. You know, there was hundreds of guys yeah, just yeah. out drinking and shit. A very different kind of situation yeah. um, to what we heard. Like you had to be, like you know, on the occasions that I know that guys did like wander off, they always ended up getting fucking their heads chopped off yeah. and shit. You know, it's like it's a it's a very different situation. Um, there wasn't stuff on base either. This wasn't stuff like you know because. Again, you know, like the Japanese, they had the mm-hmm. Korean comfort women and stuff where they, yeah. you know, these were military-run establishments. There wasn't anything. Uh, People do smash over there. Like, people smash. In, in, yeah. Like on in, the larger with, bases, like contractors on military, contractors yeah. on contractors, military But that's not military. prostitution. No. Now, well, yeah. hang on. That being said, I did hear about a chick mm-hmm. in uh, at the, the big base outside of Basra, apparently a medic who was selling herself. So I did hear about that. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's Pukajen or or if it's like uh, if that's if that's true or anything like that. But that's what I heard, and I could see it happening. Look, like you said, if you're, you're in that position, man, you're just like, oh my, there's like three thousand guys here who are ridiculously fucking horny. Yeah. Like you could probably make you know a lot of money. You could be selective. You could just pick the handsomest guys like i only paid like what two no <laughs> um but no so that happened but like you said there's, there is a yeah. lot of banging there's banging between the reg you know there's banging yeah, between people and companies and stuff like that but definitely no uh prostitution no. and i gotta say that i think that's a fucking good thing yeah there's a lot of things about the military that i'd like to change the um having um having prostitution oh that's cool you got a logo oh. up in the way oh. uh having uh prostitution as a um instagram time yeah, having, having prostitution on base is is not something that I'm uh, that I'm that I'm an advocate for. Um, and to be honest, like these places, the more you keep like there's um, there's a fine line between interacting with the locals and helping prop up our economy by buying cans and fruit <laughs> and stuff like that, and by banging their wives in a whole house. So I think we've covered that one, General Seabass. Put it to bed. Yeah, put it to bed. Nice pun. Nice. Nice pun. Nice pun. All right, moving on. Um, right. We wanted to address the question of have you ever killed anyone? So I addressed this on episode one with my own personal story. And the reason we brought it up is because Seabass was just saying, as a veteran, he's like, uh, you know, he's, oh, and, you know, bear in mind as well, these are intelligent people who are asking these questions. He's at, you know, he's at, um, like a, a prestigious university, a place of learning and scholarly <laughs> people. And people come up to him asking if he's ever killed anyone when he's finally his veteran. People. Not cool. Yeah. Not I mean, a ha- cool question to fucking come out I also spend a lot of my free time at the bar with some degenerates, and it happens there, too. But. Well, the bar, I can understand. Yeah, because like, It has happened at school. Yeah, because like in the bar, I'm always open to people. I'm like, would you be open to being a prostitute yeah. or a military? No. Um, there's, the bar is like somewhere you can understand, because when people yeah. are fucking... When people are fucked up, they ask questions that they necessarily shouldn't. But a lot of people sober yeah. ask this, too. Dude, like I told you before, and I've written about, written about this... Actually, segue, upcoming book, Geraint Jones, Brothers in Arms. We'll cover it again at the end of the thing, but a little plug for it there. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, yeah, I've been, on, I've been on dates, and people found yeah. out I've been in the military, and like, oh, have you ever killed anyone? I just don't understand. Like, like, what, what answer, like, do they want to hear? Like, if they hear yes, like, I feel like if there was a decision tree matrix here, like, yeah, okay. have you killed anybody? Yes. Like, where is that going to go? And then, make one of these and then it's like, if I say no, it's like, 
Are you disappointed? Did you want to hear yeah, yes? Yeah, like, I think they want to hear do you, yes. Do you look at me less? Like I think they want. I think they want to hear yes because it's such. It's like if I met Buzz Aldrin, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, did you go to space?" Um, and he'd be like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Whoa!" So never met anyone's yeah. had that experience that I haven't had, and it's something that all kids and stuff think about. It's like human nature, isn't it? And I, I, feel, I think it's like a, you know, it's it's like if you met, you know, like if you met somebody that was in prison, would you ask them if they got butt raped? Um, depends. Is he hot? It's like the th- it's like the thing you're most like. I feel like if I, I'd be like, man, I'm like I'm most interested in that. <laughs> like, like, well, I'd probably ask him about. Like, st- I probably, like probably, probably shanked, would. I like, probably would ask about yeah. like, did you see Shanks and yeah. stuff? I probably would ask that. Yeah, but then again, I'm. I know I'm not. I no, know I'm not I'm, going I'm, to though. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying it depends on the context. He was yeah. on the podcast. I'm fucking asking him. <laughs> All right, fair. Um, so see, best that time you were in prison, did you get me. <laughs> But no, like it's it was consensual. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there was butt stuff. So back to prostitution. Was, yeah, back to prostitution. Everything comes around. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I wonder what question that's because, like I said, this is yeah. something I said to you before. I'm like, imagine I sat down on a date with a chick mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, have you ever killed anyone?" And then I answer and everything. And then I went to her. I was like, "Oh, cool. Well, okay, moving on to the next subject." Um, how wide can you spread your butthole? <laughs> like, that's a pretty personal question, yeah. right? She'd probably fucking go insane with me, mm-hmm. right? But she'd ask me if it's okay to kill anyone. Yeah. So I just think my my bit of advice for people out there, because this is one of the questions I get asked mm-hmm. most as well. One, how about a bit of self-reflection, people? Why are you asking the question? So if any of you from now on want to ask me if I've ever killed anyone, you, f- you can send that question in, but I want to know why. I want to yeah. know why you want to know. Does it give you a boner? Does it kill your boner? Does it make you feel like, oh, it's something I'd like to do or, or I'm worried about doing it? I want to know the reasons why you're asking that question. Here's the thing. I think when I was a kid, I probably would have wanted to know it too. Um, yeah, I mean like my like, you know, my nephew asked me when he was like seven years old, yeah. like to understand. Like obviously that was a different conversation I had with him, but I just don't – it's it's just not like an adult question. Yeah, exactly. It's one I 100% understand kind of kids asking it. Yeah. But once you're an adult asking it, especially if you're not like close friends. I get yeah. close friends asking. Like that that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way as I ask my close friends all the time, how much do you regret having kids? <laughs> like, you know, but I wouldn't go up to someone in the street and say, hey, these little shitbags are taking all yeah, your money. Yeah. How much do you regret them? Yeah. You know, you need to know the person first before you start asking them uh, – Questions like that, but yeah, I don't. I think it's interesting, man. Like, I think, um, I think people are getting so detached from um, the realities of life and mm-hmm. stuff now in the West that it's just like we're so like so detached from it. Like, most people have never even killed a fucking chicken, yeah, you know, or a fish, or had anything like that. So I think it's. I don't. I I don't think that most people who have come from say kind of like if you've come from Egypt or anywhere like that, it's not probably not a question you're going to ask. Yeah. Because it's so kind of like things like that are more normal in your in 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 your country, or just that connection to, um, you know, that connection to death and all those kind of like nastinesses. It, it's also more, it's more prevalent, so you don't feel the need to ask it. I just feel like we have this such disassociation with death and war over here. Like, look, if you live in fucking Syria, the last thing you want to bring up in conversation is more death. You know enough about, you know, you know enough about him. Yeah. I think here it's just such a kind of like, it's not not that it's a, it's not a taboo subject at all, but it's a misunderstood subject and like yeah. this big mysterious thing. Like, we really don't understand it in this country or, well, I say this country yeah. in the United States right now, but in the UK, in the West. Yeah, I feel like, in I, the I, West I just think general. it's weird that they don't say like, 
Oh, did you ever lose any close friends? Like that's well, like, I get asked that too. Uh, yeah, I get asked that too. So please stop asking that yeah. fucking question. Someone asked me today, "What's it like to see someone die?" Um, yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah. Again, I appreciate you asking. Um, and just I do I do address stuff like that in my writing, mm-hmm. but it's a big it's a lot of different talking yeah. about it when I've had months to kind yeah. of sit down and write about it in a book. Rather than me and Seabass talking for an hour, then we're gonna go and get some lunch. Yeah. All right. So I'm not. I'm not trying to get. Yeah. I'm not trying to get bummed out for the next fucking few days. All right. Um. So just think about the questions that you're asking people when they're a veteran, or not just a veteran, just people in general. If you were to meet a paramedic, you know, I don't think the first question you should ask them is like, "How many people have died on you?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have some fucking sense, people. Just stop. Start, be good people. Yeah, right. If there's one takeaway I want people to have from today, it's start thinking about what you fucking say. Start thinking about what you're asking and stuff like that. You know, you're like especially when you're typing a message, you can literally look and review what you're about to say, right? There's no reason. Because sometimes we all say something instantly and think, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Or you whip your dick out or something. You think, you know, it's got to go back. There's those moments in life. Yeah, just do better. Do better. Think about what you're fucking saying. Um, and if you are one of these people who want to join the military and stuff like that, definitely think about what you're saying, and it will save you a lot of hurt at the hands of your NCOs. Yeah. Segwaying into NCOs, CBAS, good qualities of an NCO from the point of view from an officer. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, NCOs, as an officer, like, you know, like, NCOs are the executors. Like, I, I couldn't stress enough, like, how much. Hang on. We need we need to spell out for people here. He is not talking about not war crime executing yeah. people. He means executing orders. Yeah, my job as an officer was solely to give guidance and direction, like talking like high level strategy and vision. And there's many ways that that could be accomplished. And uh, the NCOs are gonna know like as it trickles down like the chain of command. And I can kind of talk like from a company level, like as a company commander. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm, I'm looking like up and out, meaning like I'm talking battalion commander and, and doing like a lot of, you know, officer means office. I'm doing a lot of that stuff. And the NCOs are out there like getting it done. Like, I don't need to worry about like the specifics of like, like training and how it's done day to day. And because all I have to say is like, here's the training objectives that we need to be done by the end of the quarter. And I know it's going to get done. And, uh, so the qualities I need an NCO are driven, motivated, uh, initiative, like initiative being like initiative and judgment go hand in hand. So like if I tell you to do something, I just want the peace of mind knowing that I don't have to spell it out like in the details of how I want you to do it. And I don't really want you coming back and asking me like, do I want it like specifically this way? I just be like, I gave you the intent. Mm-hmm. There's an end state, get it done. But that goes along with trust. Be like, I don't want you to like, cause if it's like, Hey, train these new Marines, like, I'm trusting you that you're not doing like the hazing way, right. <laughs> like the illegal way, you know, like you're doing it within your boundaries. Like you understand your job, your roles, you understand your touch points. Like there's some like senior NCOs you can go to staff NCOs, like in the Marine Corps and just, um, and that all comes in like development. I think that the, you know, the military does a really good job. Um, and you know, I remember even in the reserves, like being a private first class, like Lance Corporal and like, I just like you, you just gravitate towards the good NCOs and you immediately know like which ones are the bad. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot about leadership from just observing good and bad leadership. So um, I can speak from, like, you know, the junior Marine coming through. And, like, by the time you're an NCO, you've had the time to prepare. And, and uh, you know, as an officer, I just I need you to have, the, like I said, judgment, initiative, be motivated, uh, be trustworthy. And I think those are those are the most important ones to me. It's like hazing. Is that hazing a problem in the Marines? So explain to people what hazing is yes. first and then if it's a problem. 
Yeah, hazing is a problem. Um, so what is hazing? For people who don't know. So I think it's it's changed a lot, like through wartime and transition to peace. But basically, if you're if you're physically harming, it could be like physically harming. It could be uh, something humiliating. So is, would you say hazing is bullying? It's it's yeah it's it's bullying that's that people people cover up like intense bullying and use physical assault with they put it under this umbrella of like it has a training purpose right okay. which I, at a point I, I think it did and it does to an extent but um, it, it's become this like culture where I know recently you know my last year when I was in command there was a huge like up to the commanding general investigation on a lot of the NCOs in my company and like nine were under investigation. They got court-martialed. A lot of them got kicked out. And it was just like this completely threw off our like effectiveness and where we were going with the company and like all of my focus and attention then had to go towards this hazing thing. And, and it really came down to like... Is, this, is that a problem you like inherited? Was it? it was going on, you know, while, mm-hmm. while I was in command. Like we, there was uh, one of the one of the privates kind of like popped, you know, popped the Red Star Cluster and like mm-hmm. reported it to like his sister who was like in DC or something like that. So it was just a really bad situation, but basically they were, they were getting like physically abused. Um, like we had a Marine, one of the junior Marines got his wisdom teeth out and, um, you know, the NCOs were drunk on the weekend going into his room, uh, like shaving their heads, making them go like, he's like, has like stitches in his mouth and he's like in the push up position. There's literally no training value. I'm trying to laugh. <laughs> I know. I know. Like when you look, and then they, you talk to these NCOs and they're just like, well, it happened to me. So like I can do it. Today, yeah. You know? Like, but it also, I don't know, like the yeah. generation, like looking back, like their NCOs were combat vets from Afghanistan. They were like, they went to Japan on deployment. It was like this yeah. weird dynamic where like... But it's like sexual sexual abuse and domestic abuse and yeah. stuff like that. Usually the people who perpetrate it, it's happened to them. And then it's a tough one because it's like... I, like you said, there, there is... I do think there is some kind of fucking value in it to a degree. Yeah. But I do think it's, it's, such, it's so hard to distinguish what is a bully who's yeah. just trying to find an excuse to be nasty to someone because mm-hmm. he gets off on it versus an NCO who's like, I want these guys to be ready for combat yes. like I was, you know? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. If you're if you're doing it to, to build loyalty and, like, you can't question orders and it's, like, related to, like, a, a, comb- a workup to a combat deployment, like, it's still good in general for the military, but it, I feel like there was a little more, like, leeway back in, like, in the, you know the deployment schedule, you know you're going, like, it was a little bit more acceptable versus now it's just, like, I'm a tough NCO, I got to show these guys. Like, you can gain the respect from people without being, like, such mm-hmm. a douchebag and physically harming people. There's, like, it's, like, super hard to define what is not and what is hazing, and I, I totally believe in the gray area. And as an officer and as a commander, I, I like, wanted my Marine, my NCOs to be, like, tough and kind of live in the gray area. And it's, like, you have to be prepared. Like, in that situation, there was definitely some stuff they were doing that was unacceptable. But there was also some stuff that I was kind of defending them on, like, during the investigation. Yeah. Some stuff I was, I was going to bat for them, like, to dismiss it, and some I was, like... I, li- I can't well, like I can't do anything about you being one drunk and putting him in a exactly position. yeah I was gonna say look look like, I don't mind you flipping his room drunk, like, yeah someone comes in drunk and then starts doing stuff yeah. instantly yeah. that's crossed the line at that point I think that's most of the issues that come up um, at least in the Marine Corps from my experience it usually had to do with NCOs being drunk and is drinking a big problem in the Marines I mean we're pretty effective with it but it yeah lot. okay okay but yeah <laughs> I mean you know. I'm all for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I'm all for. It's part of the uh, what, what's, what's, dude, what's the fucking word when you're like, um, you know, like you can, you what's a functioning, functioning alcoholic? alcoholic? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a writer, so I'm not going to knock on the functioning yeah. alcoholic thing. However, 
Um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's the same the British Army dude as well. Like alcoholism is just. It's just like. I mean, it's encouraged. I think. Dude, and it's, I was in it's, com- it's so endemic. I was in command of 150 Marines, and uh, you were there in my last couple of months. I, I'd be lying if I didn't go to say I didn't go to work hungover <laughs> once or twice, 15 times in my last few months. Yeah, that was pretty fucking cool. Just dude. really enjoying my last few months. Shout out California. Big Hell. Shout out Big Hell again. Thanks for those free shots. Yeah, free shots. Tuesday Jesus nights. Christ, dude. That was horrendous. But yeah. Do you want to tell them the story about, um, do you want to tell them the exorcist story? <laughs> no. Why not? Wait, are they in Liverpool? <laughs> no, no, the exorcism story here with um, me on your couch. In San Clemente. Oh. In the shower. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's a good story. I thought you were talking about... Oh, no, no, no. We'll, no, no, we'll keep, no, no, no. <laughs> All right, we'll keep that. That story is not for the podcast. But, yeah. So, we go out, like, it's like a classic Wednesday night. We go to Big Helens. Um, you know, I have to go lead 150 Marines the next day. Gaz gets to sleep all day, but he somehow convinced so me. You should, you should explain to people that you were terminal captain at the time. Yeah, terminal captain. I got like uh, – it was not the, the ideal situation, but, you know, there was a lot of – at the time, there was a lot of, uh, like, um, advisor team deployments like I did, yep. um, you know, where they were pulling captains from my, my battalion. So, like, even though my, my battalion commander knew I was getting out, like, I had to stay in command until, like, the last day because we just didn't have the people to take yep. over. So – uh, I'm in this mindset where I'm about to get out. I want to have a good time. Like I'm, I know I'm about to like transition. And anyway, and I want to jump in. No, I'm going to jump in one minute. I think what like people might be like finding kind of interesting listening to you is like the, you're an officer, right? Yeah, and not just an officer, but a company commander. In the British Army, there right. is like a massive kind of like there still is a massive class distinction yeah. with officers and enlisted. And not like it doesn't mean that all officers are that way, but the majority are. Like mm. there's a real you can there tell is. the difference between officers and enlisted. So like for me it was amazing because I'm like when I met you it was just like oh it's just another bro and I never even though I knew on paper that you and the other our yeah. other friends were officers it never actually yeah. until like your handover ceremony when yeah. I saw people saluting you and stuff I was like oh my god he is an officer <laughs> like because I was just like oh he's just like one of the bros yeah and I think that's something I found about American officers is that like. There, like I'm sure there is others who are kind of like blue there bloods are. and West Pointers and stuff yeah. like that, but like definitely like all you guys personality wise, mm-hmm. and I mean I know dozens now through yeah. people like you, officers who are army and marines, would all fit in as enlisted mm-hmm. ranks in the um, in the British Army, yeah, um, and they fit in as officers here. Don't get me wrong, but like I and it's really made me think about it's ma- really made me think about the way that the British Army handles its mm-hmm. kind of class system with the hang on, so it's something we come come back onto. But yeah. yeah, so let's just go back to the fact that All we right. were brewing out hard. So we're blacked out in San Clemente at Big Helens on like a Wednesday night. Um, I would, I'm sure we went to that Mexican place to get late night burritos. Um, Adolfo's, really, yeah, Adolfo's. Couldn't shout really Adolfo's. tell you. Shout out Adolfo's. But I'm sure we did. I don't really remember. But anyway. My the layout of my apartment wasn't that big, and uh, my living room sofas are literally two feet from the door of my bedroom. <laughs> and you walk in, and it's two steps to my bed. But somehow I did not make it to my bed, and I was on the couch. You were on the other, so I come to it around like probably like two, three o'clock in the morning. We've been asleep for a few hours, and uh, I don't know what exactly woke me up. It was like your coughing or the smell of clear vomit. But you know, as I'm coming to, I realize like something going on with vomiting. I wake up, and it's like. In the Exorcism, the original movie where she's like, where, where Ray, Reagan's like just explosively vomiting all over the room when she's like possessed by the devil, and that you're like, maybe there's, I was. There's throw up all over the, the the table, like the couch. It barely missed me. And I'm a, dude, um, I'm a Jimmy gun. I'm an area weapon guy. Yeah. <laughs> so so I like I pick up Gaz, like he's covered in puke, and I like drag him down the hallway to my shower, and I put him in there. He's like in his boxer shorts. I put him in there. I turn it on. And I'm just like, go outside, and I'm, I start throwing towels on. It's it's a mess. 
And uh, as I'm, like, kind of throwing towels over and trying to clean up, like, the majority of, like, the puddles of puke, I hear Gaz from the shower. And he's literally accusing me of throwing up on him. <laughs> he's like, Seabass, did you throw up all over me and put me in the shower? Well, that's the kind of thing that brave soldiers do. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and the next day... Okay, so now let's address the question. I'm giving you... I, I won't hold it against you. Did you throw up on me? <laughs> I was in front of whoever, however many followers In and front listeners. of all two people listening. <laughs> if, if I was to, like... Hand to God. Hand, if I was like in court under oath... All other people say is like, I don't remember the night, but I do know that I. Ah, so you can't say no, definitively. The, the, the physical evidence was there was no puke around me, and there was your your head was right here, and there's just a stream of puke. So the evidence would find you guilty. I don't know, dude. OJ got off, <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you would need a good lawyer. Bro. I feel like I I don't feel like I could need, need a lawyer. I think there's enough reasonable doubt. Yeah. that I could get off of this. I could also bring your ex girlfriend on the stand, and she could talk about another incident where you also ac- falsely <laughs> accused. And this time, like- this time with shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> The jury would be like, I oh, accused I her. The I accu- again, I woke up in the shower, and this time I accused her of shit on me. Hey, we've tied this back nicely to cliche veterans. <laughs> <laughs> cliche veterans who shit and puke on themselves, yeah. then accuse other people. All right, yeah, given that she would probably be an expert witness on that. Um, yeah, that's probably a good point, dude. I will accept that there's probably culpability on my part. Great, uh, for great doing times. that, great time. Yeah, it was. We done well on this trip. We haven't been sick once. I know. We've been here four weeks, not been sick once. Yeah. And um, yeah, we've had a couple of days, a couple of days, no drinking, no dipping, feeling healthy. I'm not feeling healthy today. Actually, I feel like fucking shit. I don't know what the fuck. Other than throwing my back out, I feel good. Yeah, we've been having some good bro sessions. All right, dude. I got some rapid fire questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna answer a couple of these because they're, they're British specific. If there's anything I can bring you in, I'm gonna bring you into. So this question: Do you have to be in the infantry to be a PTI, which is a physical train instructor? No, you don't. However, people in the infantry tend to be better good-looking, better, look, better all-round people, better-looking people. And to be a PTI, you need to be handsome as fuck. So your chances will be increased if you are an uh, infantry soldier. Um, this they, question, they waiver, so. I'm not sure who sent this question in. Can you put tinfoil in the microwave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the fence <laughs> about this because the Flames probably would have put themselves out. And the burrito was still cold, so I'm gonna say maybe, probably not. Um, how old am I? Wait, how old am I? How old am I? <laughs> I don't know if there's a person que- or if I translate this question. I'm 35. See, best, how old are you? I'm 29. Oh, you, you're a snapper. Um, this next question, this is definitely one for me. Why are you so beautiful? No kids. No kids, moisturizer. See, best, why are you so beautiful? You handsome Peruvian devil. <laughs> Just good skin complexion and going to the gym. Yeah. Because, dude, we get it a lot, though. People think we're younger than we are. And the reason is no kids. Yeah. How can you travel so much? No kids. No kids for everything. Condoms, people. Or microwave bowls. One or the other. Are you British or American? I'm British. He's American. Oh, I like this one. Right, see, but you can take this one first. What kind of music do you listen to when you're on tour? Or deployments, whatever you want to call them. <coughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think... It just depends on the situation. Uh, you know, definitely before we like roll out like on a mission, it was usually uh, some hype up music. So either like some death hype, metal, hype, hype, like hype. Angel of Death, Slayer, uh, or some like hardcore, like old school rap. Also did the job. But then yeah. uh, you know, in, uh, in the gym, I usually like revert to like hip hop and EDM, and then in my room chilling, country. So I'm all around. It's country, yeah, just chilling in the room. 
chilling yeah. on your hooch. Just. I think my, I had some nice war porn playlists. So I'm going to go like, we'll start with Iraq. Iraq was more Lost Prophets, who I had to stop listening to because uh-huh. the guy's a fucking pedophile. So thanks for that. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, dude, you know what's fucking up is like, I wrote on my kind of like death letter that if I died, I wanted Lost Prophets <laughs> Last Train Home to be the song I played. <laughs> Imagine that. The embarrassment that your family would have like, pedo anthem. fucking pedo anthem played as our son, <laughs> as our son was put in the uh, dirt. I would need to, I would make it that I was exhumed. I would have yeah. should have had it that I'd be exhumed and reburied with a non pedo song. Yeah. Um, for that one. Uh, okay, so there was, yeah, Link, so, sorry, Lost Prophets was a big one. Linkin Park was the other one. They were kind of my favorite ones for, um, mm-hmm. for Iraq. Then I got, oh, Metallica. Got a Metallica, Slayer, Slipknot. Slipknot. Basically, anything that makes you want to go and punch someone in the face is yeah. also good for making you want to go and shoot someone. It's true. Um, Hip hop and stuff, not so much. It's not really like, you know, we're listening to it around the camp, but those were the kind of ones. One of the guys in my team, Bungle, shout out Bungle, he used to like listening to Britney Spears a lot. And I'd let the guys take the iPods in the back of the uh, in the back of the Warriors, yeah. and he would fucking belt out Britney Spears at the top of his lung. I would, I will tell you, in Iraq, we had this, uh, you know, like the, the fob wasn't that big, but say it's like a mile, a mile and a half, two miles around, and like we had this like pickup truck. Uh, but the dudes before us had driven the pickup truck under the Paladin artillery when it was like about to shoot. And, like, luckily they didn't, like, melt. They were mm. out of the range, but it shattered. It, like, deployed the airbags, shattered the right. windows, and they just give us this piece of shit F-150. But there happened to be this, like, as a joke, this Nickelback CD, mm. <laughs> and it just – it's stuck in there. So the radio didn't work, but the, the CD player worked. So we had this, like, pickup truck with no windows and airbags out, mm-hmm. but we were, like, driving around the base just to get around, like, yeah. to different posts and stuff, and it was uh, just Nickelback blasting constantly. Dude, that's crazy. Shout out Nickelback, anthem of the planet. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So the, the, sh- the shockwave of the Paladins, the Paladins are self-propelled yeah. gun, what, like, 155? 155, yeah. So the, the concussion if wave If it shoots that. over you. So, like, Damn. if they were shooting the other direction, you can be behind the Paladin, but if it... If the if you see the gun coming over, there was like this little like road that you can drive. Like, do not be under there. It could literally like melt your insides and kill you. Damn, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. Kind of scary. It's making me and we would not. Ha- they would not like the army guys would not put out road guard and stuff. Like, so they're just like fucking you just have to like come over the hill and be like, oh, I see the gun. Like, fucking don't go pokes. <laughs> fucking army pokes. Shout out U.S. Army. Yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> okay. Next question. Do you wear underwear? Yeah, I went through a free ball and face for a while. I, I wear I wear your underwear most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I just like, steal my shit. I just steal your stuff, dude. I bought a pack of socks and underwear the other day, so be grateful. Nice. Um, someone's asking me, could you talk about the A3, which is the new, it's the British Army's new weapon? No, because we've established I don't care about fucking weapons and stuff like that. And one, I've never used it anyway, and I just couldn't give a flying fuck. Sorry, I'm just not interested in those kind of questions. If you're interested in that kind of thing. Probably need to find another podcast because I'm never at any point going to be interested in those things. It's a lump of metal that you carry around, you fire, and you clean. Now, when there's someone to fire at, then they're fun. The rest of the time, just a piece of metal that you're responsible for. And if you lose, you will fucking, like, you, you, it will be the worst moment of your life if you ever lose sight of that fucking weapon. So, I don't know anything about it, but the fact that it's called the A3, I'm just going to say it won't live up to the A2. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's newer. It's newer. I don't know. It's probably cost more expensive. I don't know, man. Fuck. Like, sorry. Just not, not, just not interested. Let, let me tell you. Once you've been in the army a couple of years, you will not be interested either. You will just see it as the bane of your fucking life. All right. What does Ali mean? Seabass, you want to take a shot at this one? What does Ali mean? In what, what context? In the context of the fucking army and shit. Ali? Ali. 
Is it a British thing? Yeah, it's a British thing. Just oh, I'm just taking a stab at it. Just give me a stab. Oh, I was I was thinking like I was supposed to know this. No, no. Can you use it in a sentence for me? <sighs> that is a fucking Ali bit of kit. Um, heavy. No, Shit. Ali means cool, right? Oh. So Ali is like it's kind of like the battlefield fashion thing. So you got a helmet. Oh, okay. You got so a helmet like, with a nice like bit operators. Of fuck. Yeah, exactly. You got a helmet. Shout out operators. Fuck. You got a helmet with a. Um, you know, a bit of yeah, scrim yeah. netting on there. Yeah. Nice bit, nice bit of sniper tape around the bottom. Yeah. You know, that's we that's Ali. You we, got your spray paint. Okay, this is the one time I am into synonym, weapons. Tactical. Yeah, tactical. This is the one time I am into weapons when they're spray painted Ooh. as fuck. Oh yeah, now that's sexy. Yeah. Give me a spray painted A3. I'll be all over it. Um, it's, one right. the, it's one of the rules of combat. You gotta look cool. Yeah, you gotta look cool. Nobody wants to be fucking like blown apart yeah. looking like shit. Do you? Yeah. Like no. Um, all right. Is it mandatory for all PTIs to be on a sunbed prior to course? Tom Marcus, shout out Tom Marcus. Everybody go follow him on Instagram. Tom, you owe me as usual. Um, is it mandatory to be uh, on the sunbeds? Not just before course, during and after course, and probably for the rest of your life. Because as we've already gone over, PTIs, handsomest bastards in the <laughs> army, got to keep that up. Um, when we when I was on the course down there, I know Tom's at the course, at the course too. When we were on the course, um, there would usually be a pretty long line of PTI candidates coming out of the sunbeds there. <laughs> and one day we saw one of the lads had left his clothes a little bit too close <laughs> close to the bottom of the door where you could grab. So he came out of that sunbed very <laughs> naked because <laughs> we took his clothes back to camp. Uh, all right, appreciate this question from Sean V. Go and check out Sean, guys, if you want your fucking spine in a good position as like most infantry soldiers i have a fucked spine and fucked knees and fucked shoulders and everything else um and i follow sean's youtube videos because he does a bit of yoga and he does it in a fun way which just doesn't make me want to kill myself um and uh yeah so siege siege came out when did that came out siege came out in november um thanks for anyone that's uh, supported that book the next one in the series after siege um, I'm not going to give away the title yet because I might change it and I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> but that's probably going to be coming around the same kind of slot. Talking with uh, Penguin, our publisher at the moment, about when we're going to get that out. So that's probably going to be around November. That's going to be the third in the series on that one. Uh, probably a good time to segue into books, actually. Seabass, was there any nice words you'd like to say about my books? Yeah, I mean... All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, as uh, you know, as your as your bro, I've... You know, you, you know, I've become your executive editor. Yes, create, create, creative director yeah, creative slash director. consultant slash executive editor. Yeah, so I've read, I've read all like the hard copies, and I love the the uh, the Blood Forest Siege. Uh, you know, I've even I've read the third one now too, right? The one that hasn't. You have read yeah. the third one. Hasn't yeah, come so out. You, may, you might be the only. And you have yeah. pop, pop from the editorial team. You might yeah. be the only one. Yeah, and I know you're, you're writing the outlines for like four, five, six, seven, wherever it goes to. But yeah. the story is absolutely so incredible. You <laughs> and you know, when I finished that third one, when I was uh, chilling at your place in the UK, I was I was itching to get the fourth one, and you and I was pissed that you hadn't wrote it yet because uh, I really want to know what happens. So hurry up and write it. It's an amazing series. It and you end it so well where you make you want to make it. You like pick up the next one, uh, which is awesome. And then you're. Uh, you know, I've read No Way Out, which is you know a phenomenal story. Yeah, so No Way Out is a story that I was uh, privileged enough to work on. Story of Major Adam Jow and Easy Company out in Muscala in two thousand six. So yeah, that was a that, that was that was great. That that coming yeah, out that's coming out in paperback in May. Hardback's already out. Yeah, paperback's well out in May. And uh, and then I've read your your Afghanistan book. That's that's coming out in May. 
Yeah. Um, so middle of May, can't remember the exact day. As you know, it's all the time I had. Well, it's during EDC because you can't go. Yeah, I can't go to EDC. I think EDC is like May eighteenth or something like that. I feel like I feel like Pam McMillan. <laughs> this is the second year. This is the second year on a row that we've put out a book on that week, and I feel like they're doing it as like an intervention <laughs> where they don't have to like because I don't have a good history with EDC, um, and I feel like Pam McMillan are like how can, how best can we keep guys alive. <laughs> and they're like, if we release a book in the UK when EDC's on, EDC this, this probably puts another year onto his life <laughs> yeah. that would not otherwise be there. So thank no, you, Pat McMillan, for trying to keep me alive. <laughs> in all seriousness, your uh, your book, Brothers in Arms, it's a it's a phenomenal story. I think the way you the way you talk about um, your deployment and kind of the brotherhood and that small unit bond that that happens and how to lose how to, you know losing friends and and wanting you know the the infantry soldiers desire to kill and all that. It's just, it's really raw, but you know, you, I've told you time and time again, my favorite part is the second half of the book mm. um, where you transition into the, um, the, you know, the PTSD and talking about, um, yeah, I learned so much about you because, you know, you know, I, I met you in 2012 when I was booty boot, second Lieutenant, uh, no, deployment, <laughs> no, no deployments. And you've got, you've, you've known me my, you know, my whole career yeah. and transitioning, deploying, come back, deploying, coming back, terminal captain, all the phases. Yeah. But, um, there's so much I learned about you and like that I couldn't tell. I didn't understand it. And I couldn't tell when I first met you, like in 2012, kind of what you were going through. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was really, it was really moving to read it. And I think, uh, you know, people people will get to know you. Your fans will get to know you, and I think it'll help. Uh, it certainly helped me uh, kind of put into context um, some of the stuff I was I was going through, and I think it's gonna it's gonna really help uh, resonate with a lot of veterans out there. So. Well, thank you, bro. And there's a plan with it, man. It's the the idea was like, you know, to write. Obviously, I think I, mean, I say this for people all the time: writing for yourself you don't need to be looking to publish it or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just a it's a healthy thing to write for yourself. Um, you know, but when then when I find it kind of figured out that like, you know, there's no such thing as a unique experience. Like there's fucking billions of us on the planet. You know, we like to think that no one else is going through what we do because we want to feel special. We are special, most of us. But the cha- but the fact is that you know you, whatever you're going through, be it I don't know, fuck, I'm trying to think of something that's horrible and dark, the loss of a child or something like that. You know, as terrible as that is, is someone else is being through it. So when mm-hmm. someone can speak about it. Um, I think it's important to do so because, you know, because someone else, especially when it comes to mental things, dude, people always think that they're alone, um, you know, they're the only person going through it. So I think it's kind of important to share that stuff. But I also think it's really important to share the fun stuff, too. Yeah. Um, so be be in no doubt, people, that in Brothers and Arms by Geraint Jones, that's me, there's a plug, there is stories about masturbating in sangas. There is stories about donkey sex. And all that kind of stuff. So don't think it, it's all boo-hoo. It's not. There will be things in there that give you an erection or get you moist as well. That stuff's in there. Did you get moist at all of us at any point in there? I just I just know that word bothers a lot of people. So if you're listening to this, moist. moist. Okay, who can say it better? Okay, we'll give you. Go, okay. You've, you're on three. One, two, three. Moist. Moist. Oh shit, my sound's super rapey. <laughs> All right, see that wins that. Right, on that right and on that note, stay moist, everybody. Catch you next oh, time. Yeah, oh wait. Thanks. No, wait, stop. Seabass, where can people find you on social media if you want them to find you? Oh, uh yeah, Instagram at Seabass eighty nine and that's at Seabass with three S's uh, at the end. I'm trying to get him to change it to Seabass.actual, <laughs> but 
Um, he won't. If you wanted to change his seabass.actual, then send yeah. him a picture of your penis with <laughs> seabass.actual tattooed on there. I'd rather you just go visit Gunlamps. I'm tagged in some of the – I got military pictures up there. You can find me. But, uh, yeah, visit Gunlamps. Check out the website. Hit me up for discounts, whatever you want. Yeah, and I'm at G.I.J. Books is my personal account. And, obviously, we're at Veteran State of Mind on here. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks yeah. for putting up with us. Thanks for having and, me uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're welcome, bro. Let's go get some beers. If you have a final word for anybody? I really want a cider now. I was okay. Gonna drink. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, this is a, I think this is a great podcast. I'm really, uh, I really like this project and this new uh, kind of venture you're taking on. I think this podcast is going to kind of complement your books really well and reaching out to the veteran community, kind of bringing us, making us stronger. So yeah, that's for Dixo, bro. Yep. Moist. Later. All right. We're out.